0: Greetings everyone, this is Kevin Duke, Editor-in-Chief of Thunder Press Magazine and your host. Our guest today is Ron Woodruff, President and CEO of the legendary Sturgis Buffalo Chip. Woody practiced law and developed real estate for 20 years before turning his efforts to establishing the Buffalo Chip into the focal point of the iconic Sturgis Rally. Since its beginnings in 1981, the Buffalo Chip has grown from 20 acres of leased land into a 600-acre entertainment destination. The Chip's concert lineup has included countless headlining musical acts like Aerosmith, Bob Dylan, Kid Rock, and Ozzy Osbourne. Woody's business is a family affair, with his wife Carol and his children Damon and Tony assisting in the management of the Buffalo Chip. Woody, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. All right, so let's start off by explaining in broad strokes what the Sturgis Rally is.
1: Sturgis Rally is the largest motorcycle gathering or the largest gathering of motorcycle enthusiasts in the world. Happens once a year. Uh, It happens in the Black Hills of South Dakota. So it covers basically about 70,000 square miles. And uh, it, it just entertains an awful lot of people. We got the best riding roads in the world. People come here. They go for rides in the hills. Um, we're just right on the foothills, right on the edge of it, right here. We're the basically the focal point of the uh, Sturgis Rally, and uh, so people come here. Um, they stay. They play. Go for rides through the hills. It's always 15 degrees cooler in the in the hills. The roads are banked just right, so you can just kind of slalom through. Uh, you know, it's perfect riding. Um, and uh, you know, and you got some iconic. Uh, things to visit uh, while you're here. You got Mount Rushmore. You got Crazy Horse. You got one of the seven natural wonders of the world with the Devil's Tower. We have Bear Butte here. Um, all of the Western history that they made thousands of movies all happened in three or four years right here. And uh, just been romanticized, if you would, from all of that stuff. And Deadwood's just up the street, nine or 10 miles away. Um, so yeah, you got the gold mining and you got the Wild Bill Hickok and you know, Teddy Roosevelt was here um, in my garage. I have the bank vault that uh, was in the Butte County bank when uh, Butch Cassidy, the Sundance kid robbed, uh, did their first bank job at uh, Belfoo, South Dakota, which is where I was practicing law. Um, a lot later than when they pulled that bank job, but <laughs> I think they got $64 or something like that. Um, you know, so, yeah, there's just a lot of things that happened here. We got the Bismarck Trail on this side of the campground, the Fort Pier Trail on this side of the campground, the Verendry Brothers um, with their French uh, exploratory thing were here way before, you know, anything else and tried doing a little trading post on the top of Bear Butte. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real romantic, very historical piece of property, and the motorcyclists come here because there's a certain magic here that just uh, is, uh, that people like, right? Right now, so many of them are moving here from New York and California, and you know, places like that. Um, that, uh, yeah, so we just hope that we can absorb all these people without changing the atmosphere because, you know, you can just see for miles and miles and miles and nothing out there in some places except deer and antelope and, uh, you know, this was the wild, wild west.
0: All right, and the Sturgis Rally has been around for a long time. Do you recall your first time at the Sturgis Rally?
1: You know, I didn't know it was the Sturgis Rally. The rally was very small, but, yeah, I was uh, privileged to be at a board meeting at uh, New York um, for the American Bar Association and uh, come back, got off the plane, and I had caught a ride home, um, which then was Belle Fouche, and, uh, you know, going through Sturgis on I-90, There was a motorcycle going up the hill and I had been a motorcycle enthusiast for a long time but I hadn't seen anything quite like that there's 20 or 30 people standing around the hill and some guy going up uh, or trying to climb up the hill and so we stopped pulled over watched that and whatever and then uh, you know sometime later my brother actually who I didn't even know had a motorcycle was telling me, yeah, once a year that he and some of his buddies would uh, come out and ride around in the Black Hills. So that was my first experience with uh, the Sturges Rally. It uh, wasn't uh, that big of a big of a feature.
0: All right. So you've seen it develop from something kind of small and now it's grown into something huge. Well, the city, it got to the
1: point where, you know, in the late 70s, After there was an appearance on 60 Minutes, um, the uh, it it grew quite a bit, and uh, the people in the city of Sturgis decided that was too many people. They didn't behave quite up to standards, and uh, so they wanted to find a way to keep people from coming into town, right? And so that's really how we started. They estimated it all the government figures you hear about the rally attendance and stuff are grossly exaggerated. But the uh, at that time, the gross exaggeration was something like 20,000 people. And it was just more than the town of uh, Sturgis could handle because the population was probably right at 5,000 at the time. And uh, so they were just trying to find a way to keep people out of town. So we just thought, well, what the hell? Um, Why don't we just find a place where people can be welcome? We'll go have a party, right? It's kind of like a, I used to liken it to throwing cake parties in high school, right? Find a nice little spot out in the country where nobody bugged you for three or four hours and you go drink some beer, have a bonfire and hang out. So that's uh, that's really our start in the deal. And then uh, that was so much fun. We decided to do it again and uh, we just kept doing it, kept, you know, started promoting it and uh, having entertainment. Letting people come and they'd come back and bring their friends with them, and so yeah. From there, the uh, at one point I think the biggest uh, governmental estimate I heard was uh, that there were seven hundred and fifty thousand people. And the uh, local radio station said, "Hey, we have it on good authority last night there was two hundred and sixty thousand people at the Buffalo Chip." I thought, "Well, that's that's a lot of people."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so as as the rallies, it's been a fun trip. I bet. As the rallies developed over the years, what are some of the milestones that have seen it uh, grow into what it is now?
1: Well, when you say milestones, what are you referring to exactly?
0: Well, uh, you started, I believe it was 1981 with uh, the first Buffalo Chip.
1: Yeah, well, we put together the idea and started working on it in 81. So that's kind of like our birth. But our first event was actually 1982. And so we've had one event every year since 1982, which makes this our 40th, coming up here in about 23 days.
0: Nice, and so it obviously started kind of small and it's huge now. So that's what I was referring to the milestones. What what made it grow or what are some of the high points that made it into what it is now?
1: You know, it's a funny thing you say about that. I mean, it grew and it grew every year because of the amount of fun and that people had that came here and the stories they told when they went home. So it's a, it was totally a word of mouth thing that, you know somebody had come from Florida, somebody had come from Texas, somebody had come from Jamaica and, uh, you know, they'd be telling all their friends what a, you know, outrageously good feeling and good time they had while they were here and they'd come back the next year and it just kept growing like that. And when we started, uh, you know, with uh, bigger entertainment, because we started getting bigger crowds, and you know, really had the ability to bring some people that I personally wanted to hear, but didn't have enough money to go someplace else to, <laughs> to see. Right. So we started kind of like that, and uh, we just kept that up. And so when there were big changes, um, the the uh, the fiftieth is what was celebrated is the fiftieth of the. Um, rally was 1990. And I would guess for probably a year and a half or maybe two years, um, people were telling me, boy, you don't have any idea what's gonna happen to you. And you don't have it. And I thought, well, what do you mean? You know, exactly what they were saying. I didn't have a clue. And uh, what happened was Um, that, uh, you know, the governmental estimates went from something like 70,000 to 570,000, right? Wow. And so, yeah, uh, before that, you know, I'd close my office on Monday at five o'clock and come out and take down the gate and chase the cows out. And and we'd have a party that night and the rest of the week would just, the party would just continue, right? And uh, maybe we had two employees when we started. And, the, and they were part-time, they started after school got out, school teachers looking for summer work. And so I remember coming uh, for 1990, about three weeks early, just to see if anybody was here getting things ready. And three weeks before the rally, there were already campers set up here, waiting for us, right, to wow. start getting ready. And I thought, oh my God, right? So that was kind of a watershed moment, if you would. Okay. Um, so we had to hustle our butts off to uh, pre- even pretend to get ready for uh, that because they were exactly right. I did not have a clue what was really going to happen and what it's like to have that many people show up at your house. Right? And that's <laughs> that's kind of kind of it. And uh, you know, from that, it's uh, it's been uh, it's just been really good. So we, we try to change something every year, add something every year. We had to to start with because we didn't have anything here. It was uh, just a pasture on three strands of barbed wire and a few cows, right? And uh, that was it. No water, no electricity, no street lights, no streets, um, none of that stuff. You had to be a good enough rider to go down into the creek bed and back up the creek bed to uh, you know get into where we were having the bonfire and the party. So yeah, it was uh, it was different.
0: So that was the 90th, that really blew up. And so now you've developed this into something that's a a facility that's a a broad ranging thing. How did you get to where you are now? Well, again,
1: one day at a time, one idea at a time and uh, always restricted by um, poverty, if you will, because we didn't have any money when we started. We borrowed the land, we borrowed uh, everything that was going on and hoped that uh, we'd be able to pay it later, right? (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so, it uh, every year we just added something. We, just, we add land. We add some buildings. We, well, one of the one of the uh, the county people with a lady named Anderson who um, we hadn't really paid attention too much to government. <clears throat> so um, she come along and said, you know, if you're going to have people out there, you got to have water out there. Okay, so then we had to figure out now who's gonna give us enough credit to uh, dig a well, right? So we ended up putting in a well, and then uh, we had to, you know, had to get showers, you know, that was a process over the, the years. And we had to get some lights, right? Which meant we had to get electricity and we're right on the boundary between the two um, electrical utility companies. So, you know, one, one of them is an REA and the other one is just a public utility. And so we had to work with both those people to get some electricity in here, and the next thing you know, people want to have telephones. Then vendors started showing up, and they wanted to be able to, you know, do business. And so we had to figure out how to do that. So I mean, forty years of that kind of stuff uh, is how we how we got here. But you know, the the theme of it is that we always need to focus on something that's going to improve the experience of the people that come without screwing up whatever that magic is that we don't really, can't put a finger on, right? I mean, but people have so much fun, they come back, it's kind of like, you know, when I remember one of my campers telling me probably in, oh, maybe the early 90s, maybe the late 80s already, he said, you know, I love this place so much, I told my wife when I die, I wanna be buried right here, right? (laughs) And, We've had quite a bit of that over the years. We haven't, uh, we don't have a cemetery here. I know well, a week ago. Again, I got another request for, we should have a cemetery, but we do wow. have a lot of, and I don't have any idea how many, but we've got a lot of people's ashes, um, spread here. And about two weeks ago, most recently we had some folks show up and, you know, they brought their buddies, uh, ashes. He'd asked to have them spread at the Buffalo chip. Right. Wow. So they're asking for permission to uh, do that. And of course we, we grant that. We have some memorials and stuff around It's So it's, it's, it just kind of like become sacred ground in the process as well. Um, strange thing, not anything that you'd ever expect or anything you'd ever plan or everything you'd, you'd solicit. It's just because people feel some, something special about their lives happened on this little piece of dirt. And uh, you know, and it, it, changes their lives it it means something to them throughout the rest of their life and you know that's a that's a real privilege and an honor just to have some part of making that happen for people.
0: That is special I'm guessing I'm guessing along the way there's been some needed diplomacy with the city and county to keep your operation uh, where it is uh, or where you want it to be.
1: You know if there was diplomacy it would have been so much easier but I just Apparently wasn't that diplomatic so we fought tooth and nails because for a while you know like i said when it start, they wanted to uh the city wanted to get rid of bikers and get them out of here but uh three or four years later <clears throat> they decided that uh, holy crap you know that guy's doing business out there right you know and falsely they said you know he's getting rich and we're losing business we should have all that right
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so Yeah. So we lost our license and we worked a few years without licenses and so on. Um, but, uh, you know, we went to the Supreme court a few times. Um, so diplomacy just could have, it could have been better if I'd have been diplomatic. Right. (laughs) I just (laughs) didn't know what was coming. That was just like 1990 all over. Right. Um, it, uh, when they saw how many people were here in 1990, um, they thought, "Holy smokes, we should have had all those people," mm-hmm. and uh, that was trouble for us. It made life really difficult, miserable in many respects for a few years. But you know, we're still here. Success is the best revenge. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: Cool. And one of the things that uh, keeps getting you headlines uh, is the the big musical acts that you draw there. Uh, you're obviously a music fan yourself, right? Well, I've, I've enjoyed
1: listening to music. I don't hum very well. You don't want to hear me try to sing, but you know I appreciate other people that have talents and God given uh, you know talents and have developed some skills.
0: What was the first major act you booked at the chip? <clears throat>
1: Well, I think that uh, the first major act was probably the first year we were going to do something. And that was uh, Jerry Lee Lewis way back in 82. Right. But he didn't show up. So, but we booked him for a minute. (laughs) 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 So, you know, life's full of surprises. And uh, so that shouldn't have been a big surprise because he had a reputation for that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, Susie Nelson, one of Willie's daughters, uh, showed up and uh, Johnny Paycheck showed up and we had a little party anyway. It was uh, it was fun.
0: Do you have a favorite band or a performance that you've had at the chip that are that's memorable to you?
1: Oh, you know, there's lots of them that are memorable. And for me to have a favorite almost wouldn't be fair. Um, You know, there are some that stick out and probably I, I always like to give credit. For two that stick out just beyond all others, one of them is Toby Keith, and the other is Kid Rock. And in 2005, we were doing a 13-episode television series, and and uh, so Toby was doing a doing a uh, his thing, and it uh, he had a meet and greet set for before the uh, 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 show, and Toby was there with his white hat. We we're just getting ready to meet the very first person and a raindrop hit his hat and he looked up at the sky and he said, we got to get on stage. And he turned around, got the band, they got on stage. It started a downpour as soon as he started, you know, hit the first note, Uh-oh. nobody moved, right? 2005, he was at the top of the world and, uh, and nobody moved and it just rained and rained. And we, at that time we had a, an antenna for our internet on one of the posts on the uh, stage and lightning struck that sucker. The wind blew so strongly that it, there was a Ford F-150 that was the sponsor of the tour. They had about half of that uh, Ford F-150 as part of the stage prop in the back. The wind blew that part of that right off the friggin' stage and everybody was there and they played right through it, never blinked. I mean, I, the man was just a saint. He was there for the, he was there for his fans. So he played right through the rain, right through the storm. And uh, then when it was over, he gave everyone of his band members a $2,000 bonus just for sticking with him through the storm. Right. That's and cool. I thought, man, you know, I'm sending a letter to the Pope right now. That guy's a saint. Right. Yeah. It was just it was just awesome. I and mean, the show was, you know, damn good as well. And, uh, you know, other than that, and then Kid Rock, essentially the the same thing. Um We've had Kid Rock here a few times, same thing with Toby Keith, they're so dang good. But uh, in 2013, um, Kid Rock was playing and um, we'd had a new sign put up on the stage and the sign installers had not quite sealed the holes where they put the bolts and stuff, right? So oh. there's water driven down from the stage. So they had to wait, get, you know, get that cleaned off and so on. And he's back in the dressing room pacing and said, oh, I don't know who I'd stand around an hour and a half for in the rain waiting to see a show, but I'm gonna give them the best show I can, right? And we get to stage and the seat, you know, the league's sealed up. And he gets out on the stage and it's raining again. It's just raining hard. Nobody had moved. I mean, you know, people were dry from uh, their shoulders down, but from the shoulders up, they were soaked. Right. Cause they were just packed that tightly up to the stage to see him. And, uh, at about 11, and we were shooting a live uh, television concert for kid rock for uh, CMT country music television. And, uh, the, uh, lightning struck our water tower, which is a little over a quarter of a mile away from the stage and lit up the crowd. Like you couldn't believe, I mean, there's not a shadow allowed any place, right? So, I mean, you got to see everybody. And we had on our Pee Wee Herman platform, which I call it up above the stage a little bit. We had a photographer who was just hitting the shutter, click, 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 click. And he shut, hit the shutter at the exact millisecond that lightning struck the water tower and so we have a photo hanging on my wall where I mean you can identify yourself and you know 30 or 40,000 of your best friends because their faces are perfectly well lit up the lighting was perfect for that shot right (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's an amazing shot so you know that hangs in there so those are two uh, things that just stick out like nobody else had that opportunity to do either as far as that goes but they did not Shy away from adverse conditions because they were there for their fans. They love playing here, and uh, we've heard that you know before. Another thing, when when in two thousand thirty-eight special, I uh, was doing a live kind uh, a live album, and that was those were ancient times, you know, by today's standards, right? So we have you know three, maybe four buses that are filled with millions of dollars of recording equipment and stuff out there. And I holy crap, look at this, right? So I asked the promoter, I said, geez, you know, um, why did you guys decide to do a live recording, you know, here at the Buffalo Chip? Why'd you choose us? And one of those little quotes that you just can't forget, right? He says, well, there seems to be a certain ambiance here that doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. And woo, so live at Sturgis, two thousand thirty-eight 38 special. Um, yeah, it was sweet. A certain ambiance seems to exist here that doesn't exist anywhere else. It's pretty cool. So, you know, those kind of things stick out in my head. Are they milestones? I don't know. They meant a lot to me, right? But, you know, in terms of anything making a big difference in the audience, one year at a time, word of mouth, people telling their friends, hey, you know, you need to come, bringing their friends and relatives with them. Pretty cool.
0: Well, there certainly is a certain ambiance at Sturgis, yes. Uh, so musical acts uh, get a lot of headlines. Uh, what are some of the other events or activities that uh, you've implemented there at the Buffalo Chip that you're proud of?
1: You know, probably the thing that has really done the, the mo- thing that would probably mean the most to us really, is 30 years ago, we started having a little military tribute. If you remember 30 years ago, veterans weren't all that popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we started that 30 years ago and just year by year, just like the rest of the place, it changed some, right? Um, based upon and And uh, so right now um, we have, well, I'll tell you how this flag thing started. I um, the flag, we got kind of two flag stories. And so One is that uh, we uh, had a a vet come in who um, was terminal because of some chemical exposure that he had and uh, so, but he had this 50 by 80 foot flag and he had gone around to fly that, uh, he told me in every state in the nation, but he wasn't gonna be living much longer, he said, so he wanted me to have it if I continue to fly it. And so we flew it that first year and sure enough, he passed away before the next rally came around. And so we built uh, two flagpoles, 120 feet tall, so we could fly that flag. We've been flying that flag every year we can, uh, you know, ever since, um, you know, a huge, huge, it's just meaningful to a lot of people. It's so beautiful, largest flag in the, in the state of South Dakota and maybe the second or third largest flag in the United States. The, The government might have a bigger one tucked away someplace, but uh, not aware of it. And uh, then uh, when we went to uh, when we first went to Iraq, we thought, uh, "Okay, we will put up a flag for each American troop that had been uh, lost in the conflict by that time. So there weren't that many. I don't remember how many it was, but, um, you know, more than there should have been, but there weren't a bunch. And uh, so we got their dog tags and we put up the flags, um, had some Marine Corps folks come from, uh, from Colorado, one of the uh, camps there and, and help us with putting them up, getting the dog tags on and everything. And so um, had a little ceremony there and, and uh, probably uh, within the next year or two, I don't remember offhand just what year it was, but you know, it was a uh, Thursday morning at about 7 a.m., two uh, army lieutenants come along dressed in full uniform, wanted to know where a couple of our campers were camped because it turned out they were there to announce that their son had been killed in Iraq the night before. Mm. So
0: the uh, we, we found their parents, uh, the parents, the campers, and uh,
1: we actually had a general, active duty general and uh, some active duty folks that had their uniforms and stuff with them the general called together a missing man ceremony. The parents were there. And so in front of those flags that we had, um, you know, they did the missing man ceremony for me. I can't tell you how that rips your heart out. So anyway, every year we continued to put up a flag for every troop until we got to the point where we couldn't uh, put up that many flags anymore. And we couldn't get all the dog tags to, uh, you know, do it. So we settled, we've got a formation out here for our freedom field of uh, 800 flags that we put up in addition to the big flag. Yeah. And so then we have a ceremony and a veterans tribute every Thursday um, during the rally for that. But uh, that's probably the most meaningful thing that we do. But we also do some charity stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, for the Legends Ride that we have on Monday, for example, we. Uh, We've raised enough money there we you know everybody pays a little bit uh, to join the ride, and one hundred percent of the uh, riders' donations go to uh, the charities and so nice for the Special Olympics, we were looking for a uh, charity that is worthwhile for the children, and uh, we settled on uh, one for the Special Olympics because here the folks had zero administrative expenses. The people that were running the charity took every penny of expenses out of their own pocket and spent their own time doing it. And so we decided, okay, what can we help with, right? And they said, well, geez, you know, if we had a bus where we could take the kids, cause it's so much for all of us to put two kids in the car and drive 300 miles to some kind of event, you know it's difficult to get that many people with the time and the and the funds to uh, do that. Yeah. Um, we just had a bus that make a difference. So we started off. We bought them a bus with the uh, um, contributions, and uh, you know we've uh, paid some other you know all the expenses for for a time. And now we're in the process of buying them some land that they can build. Oh, we re- can an old uh, unusable gymnasium so that they'd have some place to play in the winter to get some exercise so they're in there playing basketball that kind of stuff and then when uh, when we get past uh, that what we're doing now is we're uh, we've pledged to buy them some land where they can have a softball field for these kids and a bocce ball court right. Um, yeah, so, you know, just good things that uh, motorcyclists can do. I mean, we did other things, too, but it um, seems like that's bad. One of the things that was really unique, I guess, was a long time ago, probably 92, 93, maybe 94. But we uh, built a habit, a house for Habitat for Humanity. What? It was like, yeah,
0: Habitat Humanity was just
1: getting started out here. And so we built a house out here during the rally and then had a lot in town and moved it to town and you know a young lady with two children single mother um, moved into it that was pretty cool right so there's those kind of things that bikers do that's just good stuff right that uh, helps make a difference in people's lives and in the world in general I think
0: yeah that's good karma there
1: so those are the things probably that stand out in my memory for having uh, you know done something
0: yeah you should be proud of that so back in the uh, formative days of Sturgis, uh, centered around uh, some kind of racing competition. Uh, you've tried doing things like that there. What, what kind of success have you had with that?
1: You know, the racing thing was uh, part of what uh, got it going. And back in uh, actually in the early uh, 40s, um, you know, they did uh, races. I think there really were like nine people racing, have nine racers or something when they when they started. And, and AMA wasn't apparently that big of a deal either because it was sanctioned by the AMA. Uh-huh. And, uh, but mainly it was uh, those guys would uh, before and after the race go out and ride through the hills, just like we talked about before, right? Yeah. And so the racing has never been a really big deal, but it was always related to the start of, of the rally. And, you know, we've had uh, different kinds of races here. The flat track race is probably the most successful. What we did there, and probably people can still find this on NBC someplace in the archives, but probably five years ago, we uh, designed Chris Carr, a seven-time world champion, designed a half-mile track that for a technical track that was right in our amphitheater. So we wound around, we started right in front of the stage, right at the middle of the stage, wound around the front of house and around the amphitheater half a mile. And so there are people standing right by the track and we had to jump in the track. So people are going 80 miles an hour and jumping, you know, however far it is right people are going whoa right you'd have a little accident somebody get off the get up dust himself off climb over the fence and have a beer you know <laughs> and so it uh it made a um, really different uh, exciting racing made good television show for racing it's what one of the guys from nbc said i mean it says it's the only racing show that they ever had. That they do repeats on because usually you know who's winning. But in this case, it doesn't matter. It's just so much <laughs> fun watching it, right? So um, that's really the most successful uh, we've had. You know, we have you know a few thousand people watching uh, watching the race right up close and personal, and uh, you know it's very uh, very cool. But world champion uh, designer and world champion racers participating, so you know, it's tough to beat that, right? Sure. So we get a little off-road racing off the you know off-season and early in the rally, and this year we'll have the ultra four people from the King of Hammers um, out here doing some of that uh, stuff as well as the flat track. The extreme flat track racing um, okay. is on Tuesday and Thursday during the rally. So there'll be there'll be
0: that. All right. So th- this is like a huge thing. There are countless things for you to do to make it all come across as seamless. What are the most challenging aspects to pulling that all together? Oh, uh,
1: well, you know, just doing stuff despite other people telling you you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> people telling you it won't work. <laughs> you know, sometimes they might be right, but you got to do them anyway, right? And uh, so, you know, they uh, the challenging things. Probably, if, if you, if you, if you got into this thing, if you're loving it and you love the people that you're working with, um, it really is just a day-to-day thing where you set your goal and then, you know, you figure out you're going to do it. And then every day you've got to add a little bit more to how you're going to get it done. Uh-huh. And uh, there aren't any big obstacles that are going to keep you from getting it done if you just keep poking away at it. And that's what we've been doing for 40 years, just keep poking away at it
0: well probably someone less headstrong would have given up on some of those things you seem to be the kind of person that'll just push ahead until it gets done
1: some people just don't know any better
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so what are some of the things that make the buffalo Chip stand apart from the rest of the Sturgis rally what what makes the chip special
1: well basically we were the first thing that actually uh First organized event, uh, first destination. We're 600 acres where, you know, got awful lot of people can come and just hang out and still have elbow room. We don't get crowded. It's an outdoor event. 2020, all that pandemic stuff. We had, you know, 30,000 people around here. I'm not one that we know of got sick or got exposed. And, you know, we had people from, the doctors from New York and the doctors from Washington here not wearing masks because you know, we're outdoors, um, it's, you know, you, they knew how to avoid it and that's just, anyway, so we had all these people just uh, just having a, a good time. So, it uh, what makes us different, um, you know, we were the first, um, we keep being the first and we got lots of people counting, you know, copying us, uh, doing stuff. Some of them are more successful than others. And, uh, you know, we just keep doing our own thing, we're here, f- we're here for a good time. And uh, our job is to make sure other people have a good time. And we get uh, thousands of people camping here. They're staying for an average of six days. And then uh, they're going home. And they're talking about it for the rest of their lives most of the time, right? Nice. And that's just exactly what we like to have happen. <laughs>
0: You've told me a few of, uh, stories from Sturgis's past. Uh, is, is there another one that is, uh, one you like to tell your friends cause it, it stands out in some way?
1: The, uh, there isn't probably any one story. I probably, probably the stories I tell most are the ones that I, I told you, cause those things are just genuinely standout deals. Um, you know, people just always wonder, well, what do you do the rest of the year? Cause you only work for 10 days a year. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I usually just tell them, "Well, okay, I don't twiddle in my thumbs, right?" <laughs> but you know we're uh there isn't that one thing we're always looking for people who can help make this a better place, and really, almost everybody that works here um and we we were talking just yesterday, we got people here now that have been here for. 30 years. We got people that have been working here for, you know, five years, 10 years, but there are people, with the exception of one person um, who we went uh, did a little search for, right? Everybody else came here because they wanted to be part of the buffalo chip. They just love being here and wanted to be part of it and wanted to make it work. And so I think that just adds to part of the magic because you got people here that, you know, they love what happens here. They love the people that come and make it happen. And, you know, it just, uh, it all builds on that.
0: All right. And you're a motorcycle rider yourself, right? Uh, You tell me a little bit about your motorcycle experience?
1: Um, You know, if uh, you look at that uh, footage that they were shooting for that TV show in 2005, what they tell you is, well, you know, he's a nice guy, but he doesn't ride very well, right? (laughs) We had we had a couple of incidents that happened uh, when we were doing the show but you know um, I think I learned uh, or I got a you know a desire uh, to have motorcycle when I was three or four years old living in a country which is longer ago than what you want to believe and uh, you know so my parents were probably when I was three or four gave me my first motorcycle which was a little plastic one that shortly after they invented plastic, I always say, but, uh, you know, handlebars turn wheels spun around this is a gold motorcycle. Love that little motorcycle. I still have it. And, uh, then when I got, uh, you know, to the point where I could uh, buy one, which was, uh, when I was 16, um, and could, uh, ride it also, you know, I got my first one triumph Bonneville 650 and, uh, you know, just, uh, also had my first accident on that. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, screwed up my first wheelie, that sort of stuff, you know, you have to do all that sort of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, just been, uh, been riding some ever since. So it's a long time.
0: All right. And, uh, what's, uh, what should people know about the Buffalo chip that doesn't get enough attention?
1: Oh, you know, that, uh, I don't, what should they know that doesn't get enough attention? Um, Different people have different, uh, different things that they think about. So, I mean, we're here with 600 acres, it's not you have different people with different desires, right? So you've got married couples who come. He wants to be right in the middle of the action and, you know, be right in front of the stage and she'd like to have someplace nice and quiet. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so on 600 acres, uh, you know, we can accommodate both of those people, you know, and so somewhere along the line, they, they compromise. So you have all that kind of stuff. We, uh, you know, we're just, uh, We have thousands of people here and never have any trouble. People come here and they make friends. And it's probably the most important part of the whole thing is that you make new friends while you're here. And uh, there's a certain rather high, I think, percentage of those folks that continue those relationships now by email. And uh, once a year or once every two or three years or five years, they come back and have a reunion and renew those friendships. And in the meantime, everybody's making more friends. So I'm, it's that friendship building, camaraderie that happens here. In addition to just being able to see a bit of Americana and get that sense of freedom, because we don't we don't uh, have a lot of rules here we don't need them because people here are very well behaved it's a mature crowd. I mean, they're all motorcycle enthusiasts. They're here to look at your bike and say hello. Right. And let you look at uh, theirs. That's uh, really, that's the whole deal. In the meantime, you throw in kid rock or Toby Keith or Bob Dylan or somebody like that. And uh, it's a little extra bonus too, because these are all, they're all memories that uh, come together. Um, So, um, you know, I just I can't think of any one thing that somebody ought to know about that uh, they don't. It's pretty easy to check into everything these days. All
0: so. right. And if uh, our listeners want to keep up with the latest news about the Buffalo Chip, uh, where what where should they go? What should they look for?
1: Well, there's a newsletter that goes out uh, every two weeks to kind of keep people apprised, and we send out videos occasionally. So we have a YouTube channel. Uh, The website has more information than Carter's Got Pills. Um, So, I mean, you can go to the website, buffalochip.com and uh, pick up on everything. But the newsletter will keep everybody updated with developments. And we keep, uh, as as new things develop, we do make the announcement on the newsletter so everybody stays in touch. Because one of the things people are looking for, we learned a long, long time ago, is that they come here, the first thing they start looking for is what's new this year, right? So mm-hmm. we know they've been here before, probably more than once, and uh, looking for what's new this year. So that's uh, that's sweet.
0: All right. Well, after that strange year, last year, uh, I, I'm going to guess that there's going to be a pretty big crowd at this year's event. Are you expecting something really big?
1: You know, we're expecting a fair number of people to come um, I remember. you know but we're ready for them and uh, there's we always tell people there's room for a million more but uh <laughs> not a million and one just another million there's room for you so you're coming on
0: out all right well i can't wait to get there um it's been great talking with you woody thank you for being part of the show uh, appreciate it and uh we'll be looking for you at sturgis
1: well thank you very much
0: okay my Have pleasure today. take all care all right Thanks to you out there for listening to the Thunder Press podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends. We also encourage you to visit thunderpress.net, where you can get the latest news and reviews and sign up for our free newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Thunderpress magazine, which is published 12 times a year. I'm Kevin Duke. Keep the Riverside Down.